Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Social Jello with Angelo. This episode is brought to you by Amazon. Visit my website at www.socialjello.com. Click on the Amazon banner, and that will help me get a few pennies to keep making these videos and these podcasts for you iTunes listeners. Today on the show, we have Mr. Daniel Wagner, host of the Unframe of Mind show. He's got a YouTube channel. Unframe of Mind is a place where he likes to talk about things you're not supposed to talk about. Um... It's a place to have uncomfortable conversations without a condom. That's his tagline. Folks, he taught me some things. Uh, Daniel Wagner himself, uh, he came from Ashford University and got a degree in business and information systems. Uh, some of his pastimes, he likes long walks by the beach. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, actually, Daniel actually loves to sing and play guitar and play video games and woodworking. Um, his show is a little bit of philosophy, and he loves philosophy and free thinkers, some influences like Aristotle, uh, Socrates, Ayn Rand, Joe Rogan, and countless others. It was a great show, so check it out. You gotta represent. Don't just stand so, uh, as you heard, I'm here with Daniel Wagner of the Unframe of Mind show. Uh, Daniel, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, homie. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, we we chatted, we talked, we briefly, um, and we set this up. And uh, from what I saw, from what you do, you do a variety of topics. I do a variety of topics. I hate scripting anything. So uh, we just kind of agreed to get on here and talk about stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's actually my, one of my favorite things to do with people is 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 that first conversation when you're getting to know them and you're trying to get this this feel for who they are, what they believe, what they feel like, you know, what where they stand on different policies and ideas. You know, it's it's, it's so it, that's probably some of my favorite conversations because because you don't know what to expect first of all, so you got to be kind of on your game, but you're also at the same time you know exposing yourself as well. It's it's like a you, you got to be vulnerable as well. It's 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 a, it's a whole slew of emotions that are going on. So I, I'm actually looking forward to this particular conversation because other than a, a few back and forth bantering, uh, we're just now talking for the first time. So that's fantastic. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And the cool thing is like you're a talker. So that's great because I've had people on the show where <laughs> I ask them a question and they're just kind of like, yes. And I'm like, well, that, that wasn't a yes or no question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it definitely, definitely helps. Um, especially when you actually have something to say. That's the, that's the big key thing. There's, there's been multiple guests on my show over the course of the last couple of years that it's like some of them are, are so easygoing and it's like I have to almost like reel them in because they're talking too much and other ones are like pulling teeth trying to get some kind of energy out of them like ugh, like I don't even know if I can put this episode out <laughs> yeah I know I've had some people like that I'm just like waiting for them like I try to I try to give them some context or some information like feed them something like hey I found this article. What do you think? And they're like, well, I think it's really interesting. Awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. The awkward silence is definitely, definitely how it goes. 
Um, so, so I actually did have a couple questions I wanted to start off with, if, if you would be so kind. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the topics I proposed uh, and brought up is just the, the effects of social media that we've been seeing on, on uh, political and philosophical discourse. Just, just in general, just the way people talk to each other. And, and I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on what you've seen. I, I, I estimate you to be around my age, maybe a little bit younger. I'm, I'm 34. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're actually really close. I'm turning, turning, well, I shouldn't say really close because then I, well, I'm turning 37 at the end of this month. 37. Oh, yes. so you're a little older than me. I, yeah, I thought you were a little yeah. So, so basically, well, we, we, thank you. you know, we're, we're <laughs> two years apart and we've pretty much grown up and experienced the same kind of um, introduction of Internet and social media into our worlds at about the same time. So I was just curious what your experience with that has been. It's been weird, man. It's been bizarre. Like I, uh, I remember getting on social media first back in the day on my Sega Dreamcast. I don't know if you remember that system. Like it was not a really big famous system. It was somewhere between the Sega Genesis, a Sega, right? I, I might be totally losing half the people listening right now on what Sega oh, no, is. No. I remember the Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was the first time I'd started using social media to interact with people. It was just like chat boxes and people would it would be these weird conversations with people that you couldn't see or know where they were from. So like since that generation to now, I felt like back then the internet was this kind of experimental machine where you would talk to people about their day. It was really awkward conversations like, so hi, uh, where, where are you, where are you chatting from? Right. And you'd be chatting mm -hmm. with people around the world, but like fast forwarding into now, one, one element that I always felt kind of weirded out by was this idea where people talk to each other on the internet as if they were playing a video game. And it happened a lot. And at the first, when I, when I was doing this on the Sega Dreamcast, I felt like, well, I am interacting on a video game system. So when I'm talking to someone and maybe we're talking about something random like what happened during the day or what I did. I did martial arts, so I talk, I'm talking about martial arts and some person would jump on and be like, oh, that's gay, and start, like, attack, trolling me or attacking me online. And um, I always felt like people are kind of impersonal. And when they, when the way they talk online and the way they talk face-to-face, -face, it was always, like, different. And I was always curious, as this evolved, I thought, well, this is probably going to change. Like, this is happening right now because we can't see each other's faces. It's very anonymous. People can be more harsh. Trolls were way worse. Well, I don't know if they were way worse. I think trolls kind of are trolls, no matter how you put it. But um, I feel like nowadays, people still have this thing where they don't communicate. They communicate. They have like an online persona, if that makes any sense. The way they talk yeah. online and the way they talk face-to-face -face are almost like two different people. I'm not going to say everyone, but many people are like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd say even just talk, um, in getting to know you through your social media presence and trying to kind of get a, a sense of what you're about and who you are, it's like... In my mind, I've got the, you know, I can, I can see what you've written, but I'm also trying to fill in the blanks everywhere else in my mind. And, and I'm, I've got this image of you that may or may not be completely accurate. And then when we actually get on camera and I can see your face and you can see my face and, and we can get a sense of those tones and the, and the body language. And, and, we, and it's like you're, you're almost completely different than what I thought you were. Even even though you know what I'm saying that that's it's it's like that's how important the body language is that 
that social media does not offer us. And that's, I think, I think if, if, if there's ever a social media company that can figure this out, how to text body language. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Like, yeah, I, I'm always trying to, I, I try to take advantage of emojis, but they just don't do justice. Yeah. And they never have the emojis for me. Cause I'm like super sarcastic. I need to, I need to get just an, a, I'm a smart ass. I'm a sarcastic asshole, uh, emoji pack, if that's a thing. <laughs> and then I would be all covered, but they just don't seem to have those. Cause they seem maybe they're too aggressive and people get offended by them. Like the one, the one where the guy's like doing this right here with his, <laughs> Like I don't even have that in my standard, but if I'm on the computer, I can. It's so frustrating. Like there's anyway. No, yeah, it, it <laughs> so, is. It is like I, I. Whenever I'm commenting or putting stuff on, like I found myself saying stuff, and literally, like, and I I hate doing it. Like I really hate doing it. Like I'll put a funny, what I think is a funny comment, and I hate putting in parentheses. I'm just joking or star being sarcastic because I feel like it defeats the point of trying to be sarcastic in yeah, the first yeah. place. I mean, that, that also, I mean, yeah, it kind of takes the wind out of your sails a little bit, deflates your balloon, <laughs> your, your humor a little bit. But at the same time, I sense that you might be a good communicator in that you feel like this could be misinterpreted. And if I don't put this, the, the consequences could be way worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, th and they have been. <laughs> they have been. <laughs> so so um, I was curious about this, this um, expatriation to Japan. And what that entails, what does that mean? Like, because I've always the reason I ask, the reason I'm curious is because I've always wanted to visit outside the country. I've been within multiple states and lived in multiple states, but I've never been outside the country. I've always wanted to go, and the idea of renouncing my own citizenship, going somewhere else to be a citizen of another country, fascinates the shit out of me. So I was just curious what your experience around that has been. Well, it's a long story. Um, well, give me the cliff notes. The cliff notes. <laughs> the cliff notes. Okay. Well, uh, my wife is Japanese. I married her. We got married about 13 years ago now. So I actually, we actually got married eight years before I actually made the exodus to Japan. Uh, when we first got married, my plan was not to come out to Japan. Uh, she was actually trying to find her way to stay in America. So we actually got married because we wanted she wanted to get her citizenship it wasn't like a citizenship marriage but like the idea was she was about to run out of her visa and i asked her to marry me because i didn't want her to leave the country and so she's originally from japan yeah then. she's originally okay. from japan yeah. not not just japanese but actually from japan yeah yeah japanese from japan like she was studying out in the california in san diego when i met her yeah yeah so that was never the plan the plan wasn't to moved to Japan. She, the plan was for her to come and live in America. Uh, mm -hmm. The plan turned into moving to Japan. A little after we, she, we got married, I noticed that she was really kind of depressed. All her friends started going back to Japan and she started telling me that she felt lonely and I felt bad for her. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm kind of losing reasons to be here. So if you want to go back to Japan, I'm going to have to do some prep because I've at the time, I uh, I was a tow truck driver. Okay, at the time, I've been a lot of stuff, man. I, like I say in the intro of this podcast, <laughs> the, the things that we do for our women. Yeah, I was uh, at that time. I was a tow truck driver, auto mechanic, DJ. No, no, I wasn't a DJ. Hip hop. No, yeah, I was a DJ. Yeah, 
I was a hip hop DJ in a hip hop group and MC. Oh wow! At, at that time, <laughs> you've been so many things. You've almost forgot what the titles uh, were. Yeah, now. I almost forgot what the title. That's why I hate labels. Like, <laughs> but yeah, at yeah, that yeah. time, that's what I was doing. I just quit my band. I was in a rock. I was on a punk rock band for a while. So I, I quit that band. We got married, and when I said I was going to go to Japan, I just quit the band, mm-hmm. and I was in this transitionary period. And I was, I just went from saying I was going to be a professional musician to I have. Oh, are you allowed to cuss on your show? Yes. Okay. So I was in a, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with my life phase. And I thought to myself, well, I don't like hard labor. I, I, I figured that out, but I didn't know what the next step would be. And that's when I said, well, if you want to go back to Japan, what is available out in Japan for me? And I, when I did the research, I found that uh, studying English or teaching English would be the easiest route to go to Japan. There was a few, but... I didn't, looking at a business major didn't appease me at all. I didn't like the idea of being in a corporate office. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I decided to change my life around. Uh, I had a, I had some university behind me. I studied, uh, what is it? I studied auto engineering for a year. And because of that, I had to study some general ed courses. So I had about a year of college in that would leave me with many more years to finish. And so long story short, I did it. I got my degree. Uh, I found out that you don't need a degree in English. You can get a degree in anything. Uh, Japan will hire you as an English teacher as long as you have a, a degree from a native English speaking country. Um, oh, nice. So I got my bachelor's since I was really interested in psychology. I hated English. Weird. I wanted to teach English, but I hated English. <laughs> Uh, but you're like, I know how to speak it, so yeah, why not, yeah. right? Yeah, I, 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 learned, I learned how to speak it, too, because you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, or as you mentioned, I'm second-generation Puerto Rican. My parents only spoke to me in Spanish till I was five, four, four, four. And uh, from there, I learned English. So I figured I already had a background in knowing what it's like to not know English and learn how to speak English. And, and yeah. I've had a lot of family members that spoke both languages. So I kind of used that together and I said, I don't really want to study English because I've always hated the formal way of studying English. The idea of looking at verbs, adverbs, nouns, pronouns. And that to me was just really boring. So I studied psychology instead. And that to me was more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've actually done some psychology studies myself, not within a college framework, but on my own, my own independent studies. I'm hugely fascinated with it, but I, I don't want to do it for a living either. Um, <laughs> it, it, I, just, I was just curious about why you went to Japan, and, and, and it sounds like it was more for just looking for opportunity, doing it for your, your wife because she was you know, feeling it and you were kind of feeling it too. Um, for me, if, if I was to do it, it would be more for ide- ideological or political reasons, um, just in an effort to move to a country that produces or, or has the capacity for more freedoms. Um, there's, there's a number of countries that I would be interested in right now, and Japan would be kind of one of those. Uh, another country that's really big that I'm interested in is Malta, who are trying to set themselves up as like the cryptocurrency epicenter of the world. Like that would be cool as shit. That <laughs> like, is really cool. That. I don't know anything about Malta except that, and I, want, I already want to check it out because they're, they're open to it. That's really cool. Yeah, no, I think cryptocurrencies is definitely it's there's a lot of uh, freedom that goes with that, right? So, so yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Know. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing come up. Um, that's that's why I'm I'm like the only guy that I know in my circle that's like 
like evangelizing crypto or the blockchain technology. And it's like I, I, I'm starting to sound like one of those new CrossFit guys that you know, <laughs> or, or a brand new vegan or, or a fresh atheist, you know, where, where you just want to tell everybody and everybody's got to know you. What you it's like, no, nah, it's, it's not like that for me, but it, it, it does feel like that because it's like there's so much potential here and I see it and I, and I just want I want everybody else to see it, too. Well, just going off of that vein real quick, um, I've never talked about cryptocurrencies on my show. I've read, I've read about it, and I think I've, uh, I've, I see a lot of potential in it. But if you can just give a quick breakdown to my listeners, I, I don't know if you talked about it to, on your show to your listeners, but I'm, to my listeners, I've never talked about it. If you can just do a quick breakdown of what you feel the potential for cryptocurrencies is as far as a free market and uh, how it can affect your everyday individual like you and me. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, the way, the, what got me into it, is the very first thing that got me into it was the idea that you could have a currency that is not controlled by any third party, meaning government, in, in my case, the U.S. government, does not have the ability to print more money whenever they feel like it. They do not have the ability to control interest rates whenever they feel like it. It's like... We can break away from the controlling system and actually have our own currency that's only controlled by the people. That's completely decentralized. That's that's just uh, the 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 potential there as far as making our market more of a free market society is like so overwhelmingly, glaringly obvious to anybody who's paying attention that you you really really should want <laughs> to move in that direction. Um, I think I think the best description I heard about it was as far as let's just talk about Bitcoin because it's it's the big one that everybody knows right now. Um, basically, if if I've got money U.S. dollars right now and I have all that in the bank, well, if somebody wants to steal that money, they can just go to the bank and take the money. Um, granted, I am FDIC insured through the you know whatever up to a certain amount, but you know anything over that is not protected. It's just stolen. It's gone. And far as the bank's concerned, money's just gone. Somebody just took it. However, with Bitcoin, if I take that same amount of money, if somebody wanted to steal it from me, they would have to basically, it would be the equivalent of going to around to about 10,000 different houses in my neighborhood and stealing a little bit of that money from each one to eventually get all of my money. It's, it's, that's what I mean by decentralized and spread out amongst everybody. It makes it almost impossible to sit there and and hack into it. As a matter of fact, Bitcoin has not has yet to be hacked up to this day, and it's it's uh, just reached its tenth birthday uh, just a little while ago. So that's pretty pretty exciting. It's definitely worth checking out if you have not checked it out. There's so many cool projects going on. And just to clarify, with some of the naysayers uh, that might understand cryptocurrencies. Uh, they might, but don't understand it fully. Like you said, Bitcoin has never been hacked um, yet, but some types of cryptocurrencies have. Can you explain that to some of the listeners? What that means? Oh, as far as uh, I don't, I don't. I, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't know of any cryptocurrencies that have been hacked. Um, usually, hacked is different than stolen. As far as um, somebody has gone on a fishing expedition and gotten somebody's personal information. Um, and when I say fishing, I mean P-H-I-S-H, fishing. Um, <laughs> basically, it's human error that causes money to come up missing. It's usually the biggest thing, um, I think, is people lose their private keys. Um, whereas, you know, if I put the money in the bank, I don't have to, like, remember my private key to access that money. I just go log into my bank. If I forget my password, I just tell them, hey, I forgot my password. You know, that part's taken care of. But 
you, you do have a lot more responsibility to protect your investment. So in this case, if I, if I have a Bitcoin, I have control of the private key. And if anybody else has access to that private key, then they can have access to my money. So the fault lies in making sure I protect that, making sure it's in a safe place where nobody can see it. You know, there, there's ways to do it and, it's, and, the, and the technology is getting better for that. But, you know, that's just, I guess, my two cents on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that works. That works. Because, like, I think um, that's what I saw some people that didn't really understand. Like, like you just said, like, it doesn't, it cannot be hacked. It's not, it's more on the individual, not, not like an outside source. Not like what happened recently. I don't know if it was recent now, a few years back with, uh, was it Wells Fargo and some other big banks where uh, someone just got into their, into their financial stuff and just kind of snuck in and just stole a bunch of money from a bunch of people. Did you hear about that? I, I, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't remember exactly what that was about. My my focus has been on cryptos for the last few years. Um, I, I I thought you were going to bring up Mount Gox, which which used to be a a. Uh, they ended up having an issue where their website was hacked. Um, at least so everyone thought for the longest time. Turns out that as time went on, they figured out oh. It wasn't actually hacked. It was stolen from the the founders, the people that ran the company, took the money <laughs> and ran with it. Ooh, and yeah, they, but the, but they ended up figuring out what happened, and they got they're starting to get some of the money back, and it's starting to recirculate into into the main um, collection of the main uh, pool of of Bitcoin. But it's 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 a whole messy story. But basically, it just further solidifies the point that it's never actually been hacked. It's just been manipulated and stolen from and just people just in general just not being responsible with their private keys oh, okay, okay okay well well just going back to what i said um this has uh okay yeah so it was actually wells fargo's data was breached um a while back i want to say around 2018 and what happened was their access codes um were breached and people were allowed to steal personal information of roughly 5,000 consumers. That's what happened to Wells Fargo. So it was, that was the hack that happened, it was personal information, which also includes, uh, you know, passwords, uh, pin keys, access to bank accounts. Oh, and that yeah, that's just the general data behind, you know, anybody you give your social security number to, anybody you give your credit card information to up until that card expires is vulnerable. So you got to make sure every single person you send that to, you got to trust them. Whereas with Bitcoin, if I give you Bitcoin, the only thing you have access to is my public key. That's it, because you got to know where the money came from, and that all that allows you to do is just know where the money came from. That's it, and then send me money if you want to. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's that's the thing right there, right? It's back on the individual. While like what happened here with with Wells Fargo, this was right. It was their job to protect their consumers' information. And where in the case, like you said, it's your job. So you, as an individual, you protect it. In this case, the 5,000 people that had their information stolen, um, including stuff like, you know, sensitive information like access to their bank accounts and later on leading to money stolen. Um, it's, it's more on the individual rather than an entire group. So that's, right, uh, right, that's, right. that's some of the protections that you have. from So, so a lot of people ask me, um, well, Daniel, if, if Bitcoin's so valuable, why in the world do they have? Why is there so many of them? I mean, doesn't that make it worthless? Isn't that aren't they doing the same thing that the government's doing just by printing more money and making your 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 circulating supply of money worth less? And I was like, well, well, no, no, because check this out. 
one one thing it, it's taken me it took me a while to get this through my thick skull but somebody had had said an, an economist or something i can't even remember i listened to so many podcasts they said in order for you to have a true free market in currency or a true free market you have to have a free market in currency it's like what does that mean like because because i've grown up only using the us dollar and, and you have too you know that was pretty much the one currency we had to work with the idea of having a competing currency just was so alien until the blockchain and cryptocurrency and Bitcoin started becoming a thing. And I started looking at that and it started really making sense. I'm like, holy crap. It's, it does make sense because what that does is it makes all the other currencies have to up their game. They have to get better. They have to figure out a way to make their money worth more through not just printing more, but through actually innovating and making it better, making it stronger, making security in it just that much more or making the user base uh, bigger or making the, the user experience easier. It's like there's so many different ways you can improve the currency when you don't have the single sole control over the only currency your society can use. It's like that is where you finally have a true free market. Like that's cool. That's cool. I, I can't wait to see what happens in the future. But I have a strong feeling within the next couple of years we're going to start seeing a lot more mass adoption in crypto. And it's 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 been – there's check this out back in January of 2018 was when Bitcoin reached its 20k max out <laughs> top out and it's been declining ever since you know kind of maintaining but it's been maintaining right around about four thousand dollar mark for a while however that being said there has been no stopping of the work going on behind the scenes people have been working their butts off on different projects trying to improve it while people aren't like so crazed about it they can take time to start really developing the the technology and all that has been going on like crazy and people just aren't aware of it but it's about to hit yeah and, and yeah it's, it's exciting stuff i mean I, i've honestly have been too busy with way too many other things to get into cryptocurrency but I, i'm just waiting for Actually, I don't know what I'm waiting for. I'm I'm waiting to have a little more money to play with mm -hmm. before I start investing in the cryptocurrency. That's pretty much what's happening because I I, I I have some other investments that I've been. That I've been yeah, yeah, I, I I totally understand that too. I don't I don't have a lot to invest. I, I'll invest a little bit here and a little bit there, but basically, it's like I've got, um, I think it's like ten dollars a week going into Bitcoin. It, it's not a lot. I mean, it's like, yeah. I, I, this is money. I'm not afraid. If I lose it, yeah, uh, you know, whatever. But meanwhile, I'm building up just a little bit, little bit, little bit. And if I have some extra, I might throw a little extra in there. But, you know, basically, you don't have that, – that's the beauty of it. You don't have to have, you know, a, a 5000 or $10,000 portfolio to get started like some of these, you know, modern-day investments like the stock market and stuff where you got to have a large chunk of cash. So some, some companies won't even take you unless you have $500,000 minimum just to get into their investment strategy. It's like that's ridiculous. That's, that's a system that's only set up – for the rich and for the wealthy, like and and I, what about me? I've I've only got like five bucks to spare. <laughs> like I can put it somewhere. I can save it, but saving it's not going to do any good. The bank's not going to pay you shit. The, you know, I got a bank statement that said I got one penny for for. Uh, I'm like, dude, if y'all need that penny that bad, you can keep it. Shit's <laughs> 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 crazy. Oh man. So. Let me see here. So we, we covered Bitcoin <laughs> and we got you, you gave a really good explanation for the cryptocurrencies. No, no. Um, we, future of the world. Let's get yeah. it straight. Let's get it straight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, let me see here. There, I guess going back to the question you asked me. Yeah. Um, what have you seen as far as the effects of social media on philosophical and political discourse? Oh shoot, man. Um, probably the biggest thing I've seen is it's it's been around exposing people. I, I think that's really what it's been around. And, and the reason I say that is because I have a feeling that these conversations that we're seeing on social media, these, these harsh jabs, these dumb ideas, the, the clear examples of people who can't think clearly, all of these conversations were already happening before social media. I mean, the only difference is you're having them in a bar with the guy next to you, y'all have a drink, and then you're about your, you're about your day. You're not worried about oh, I wonder how many people responded to that or liked that, or you're not worried about you know, ex the rest of the world eventually seeing your bad ideas. You actually had the ability to you know, change your mind. You didn't have to say one thing one day, change your mind, say something the next day, and then have somebody go back in your social media feed and say, oh, well, you used to think that, or you must be a flip-flopper. Like, no, maybe I just grew. I don't know. It's just, it's like, like, it just exposed more of who we already were and just put a big old magnifying glass on it and it's now it's forcing us to really stop and evaluate ourselves at least those who have the wherewithal to do so to, to actually think like what are we doing here like what, do, what this is not working <laughs> this is causing a lot of unnecessary and undue strife between people yeah I, like you said definitely the difference between a conversation that's had and then finished and then it's not documented right so like, like you talked about the situation at the bar, it's not a documented conversation. In fact, if you were at the bar and you had a recorder and said, hey, is it okay if we record this conversation while we have a few drinks? Most people would be like, the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is probably not the place to do But yet you have examples of people, you know, drinking heavy doses of drugs, maybe even prescription drugs, hashtag Roseanne Bar. Um, and then you, you end up saying some dumb shit on Twitter that ends up getting your whole entire career destroyed. Like that's... Not great. That's, that's, I mean, she could have said the exact same shit she said and, you know, in the privacy of her own home, around her own family, and that's about as far as it would have gotten. Yeah. Yeah, that, the, the case with Roseanne's pretty, pretty, pretty much a trip. Like, I, I admittedly, I, I mean, I never troll. I, I, I try to, I don't, I'm trying to think, have I ever trolled anybody? I've never trolled anybody famous. I mean, I, I might, I might make a snarky comment on someone's famous. Twitter account, but I'll never really attack anyone online I've, unless I personally know them or like they're a friend of mine and we get into some sort of like debacle where we're kind of, and I, I guess I should really put quotes on the friend, like <laughs> not like close friends, but friend on Facebook type of deal. Right. And no, I start going at it. Um, I can get a little actually, bit. You've actually built up some rapport with this person. You you know, it's not just out of the gate, cold cocking them, you know, from the side of the street, nothing like that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm not sucker punching anyone. It's more or less something where we start going at it. And then usually if I get really upset, um, I won't blast them in the thread. I'll, I'll send them a personal message and, and tell them why I'm I'm upset and why I'm done. And, and if I call them any names, it's not... It's not so much cuss words, it's more like uh, attacking their character. And then later I always feel bad and then I send them another message and then we become friends again and that's just how I work. I have a hard time keeping a grudge. Yeah, I've had um, a few people 
like that. Just, you know, just general friendships that, you know, we get, we get in a misunderstanding and because we didn't, you know, settle it on the, in the middle of, you know, out in the open, you know, we could actually have some kind of recompensation. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Reconciliation between us, you know? Yeah. And I think what happened with the whole Roseanne thing, like I had my own sharp opinions, I guess you can say about it. I think I maybe posted two or three comments and, um, that was a while back. I, I always make rules. I've been making a lot of rules about what I say and how I say it. But back then I didn't have the rule. One of the new rules I've been trying to live by is trying to avoid, like I have, I have this thing against outrage culture on both sides of the political spectrum from the right to the left. I feel like, I feel like the right, like right now, right? Just to give you a quick example of what the right is outraged about. Um, this whole thing with, uh, uh, what's her name? Oceano Cortez? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. There we go. That's just call her AOC. AOC. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. right now the right has been making a big deal about some dance video. And then the left is, is making a big deal about the right, making a big deal about some dance video and, or some dance, her dancing. Right? I, I, honestly, I'm at this point where what I am over is outrage culture on both sides. Like the right being outraged over something that small and then the left in response to that being outraged about them being outraged. So literally we have people being outraged about other people being outraged. So That's everyone's alert. outraged, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's about someone dancing. So I'm just thinking like, there's so many things happening in the world right now. There's some really big things that we can be using social media to tackle some really big issues. Just mm -hmm. off the top of my head, what you just said about cryptocurrency, the idea that the government controls all the money you make is controlled by the government and you have no say about how that goes and if one day the government says you're done and currency goes down they can literally keep all your money right no, no one's talking about that we're worried about a dance video we're, like just top of your head okay um, I think my personal thing lately climate change whether you want to believe or not believe how much of a percentage humans have to do with climate change climate change is a real problem whether it's a natural phenomenon or a non-natural phenomenon, something does need to be done about climate change. It's something that needs to be talked about. It's a really big problem because if we don't figure out whether it's human, whether it's a natural weather phenomenon or whether humans, however you stand on this issue, if we can't clear this up, sustainability is important to all of us, whether you're on the right or whether you're on the left. If we, have, if we no longer have a planet to live on, whether we disagree on how we see the issue, if we don't have a planet to argue about, then none of us can no longer argue. If our existence is in peril, then this is a big problem. Sure, I, I can understand with that. Before before we move on in, into that, I wanted to circle back for the AOC. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, because, because it's funny you mentioned that, because literally four hours ago, I put out a post. It uh, says, uh, Dear overachieving Republicans, if... AOC is as incompetent as you seem to think she is, there's plenty of time to point out all the terrible things that she will eventually do. Slow your roll. Don't demonize her for dancing. Keep your powder dry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And like I said, again, like to me, 
it's just a series of distractions. Like, and I, I don't, I don't believe they're being, I don't know. What do you think? How's this? As we'll put this in the form of a question. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a when huge you, question. What do I think? When you, when you see when you see something like the right pushing, uh, making a big deal about someone dancing, uh, do you feel this is a calculated fab fabrication to create outrage, or do you think it's a byproduct of media trying to make money by getting attention off of outrage culture because there's social currency in it? What are your well, thoughts? I, I find it interesting that you said, is it this or is it that? And it kind of creates this false dichotomy argument. And it's, it's, uh, that would be inaccurate, I would say, at the least. I don't, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of everything. It's a little bit of they're, they're, they're trying like crazy be, uh, to get people outraged about AOC and, and about how, you know, we should be mad at this person. This person represents everything we're against and we should be totally outraged. And, it's a little bit of media stuff. It's it's a little bit of oh well, guess what? We need to make money. We need to get views. So we got to keep the you know war drums going just to keep people in this state of anxiety and keep them watching because they're afraid they're going to miss out on the next big huge event that's going to affect their lives. Personally, I don't think I think it's all bullshit. You know, <laughs> I really think it's all bullshit. I really think um you, you got people on the right are. Super, uh, you know, the, the the huge MAGA crowd. They're they're talking about how um, uh, what's what's the big thing that's been going around the QAnon thing and the 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 pedophiles. Like everybody on the left is pedophiles now. It's like you know, if if you're on the right and you walk out in public, there's going to be pedophiles hiding in bushes and they're going to jump out and touch and they're going to diddle your parts when you're not looking. It's like they make you feel like that. You know, like they're everywhere. Um, that, that, I mean, and then you got the same thing on the left side where you got them all bitching about, all, you know, God only knows what all these trigger warnings and all these microaggressions and like all these little things that you're not supposed to say or not supposed to even think it's like you, they've become now the, the new original sin, uh, as far as, you know, white people are automatically evil just on account of their being born. You know, that that's like some heavy duty religious Catholic shit going on and you need to like back off a little bit and people are so in this tizzy all worked up over it and, it, and, and, and it works to the media's advantage because so they're sitting there going, yeah, yeah, let's keep them all pissed off at each other. Let's keep on putting out these divisive, you know, terms and stuff and you call them these different things and you know, everybody on the right is a Nazi and everybody on the left is an sjw and they're 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 uh, antifa and they're they're the bad guys and it's like come on guys let's, let's pull your heads out of your ass these are these are, you know honestly the amount of nazis that are in the united states are probably slim to fucking none the amount of antifa crowd probably slim to none and even if they're even were a threat they're they're usually spaghetti armed little basement dwellers that don't even have the strength to they don't they're anti-gun for god's sakes who gives a shit <laughs> like why do you care does it have any effect on your life like whatsoever <laughs> like, like like uh, that—that's kind of where I'm at. I'm on the—I'm on the outside of all this. I, I probably lean more right in general as far as you know ideas go, but for the most part, I'm more like stand on the outside, going, "Okay, this—you all are silly. You all are just retarded." <laughs> I, oh wait, I shouldn't say that either. Does that pretty accurately answer your questions? That yeah, no, it does. And I, I, one thing I should probably mention: I'm always quite. Uh, if you saw my Twitter, I'm always asking questions. Um. And I do put, I put dichotomies and I should probably say like, I put, I purposely put false dichotomies because people like to answer in a dichotomous fashion. There was a point where I was trying to, I follow a lot of Zen philosophy. 
So there was mm -hmm. a point where I was trying to ask very open-ended questions that really hid how I thought about a subject to the point that they were so ambiguous that no one would engage. <laughs> so, yeah, I get, so, I get. so I had to learn how to simplify my questions to like, okay, well, I guess I'll give them some choices and then let them say they don't like the choices and then go off into a discussion rather than be like, I don't, what, 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 what was the question again? <laughs> and then the guy that actually goes, hey, wait a minute, that's a false dichotomy. That's not even, that's not, no, no. That's the guy you click on his profile and click follow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice, nice. Like, nice. you're the one that's thinking. I can tell. I can tell you're paying attention. <laughs> the rest of these monkeys don't give a shit. <laughs> exactly, they just, exactly. they just want it. They're just in this battling mode when they go on Twitter, like, all the time. It's like, it's crazy how many times, like, Somebody will say something on Twitter and I'll call them out on it and say, hey, look, that, that's inaccurate. It's actually this. Or, you know, that doesn't make any sense because of this or whatever the case is. And it's funny because you know, they will respond not knowing anything about me and attack me as if I'm the opposite of them. And, and, most, and most of the time I might even agree with them for the most part, but they're just getting their facts wrong. But they'll just automatically take that dichotomous little view and just jump from, you know, into this tribal thinking where all of a sudden – I am enemy number one and I must be brought down. <laughs> like, dude, I agree with you 99% of the time. What are you doing? Like, I'm just trying to, you know, make you stronger because, you know, you got to be accurate when you're out here uh, in the battlefield, so to speak. You know, you can't be coming out and putting out some silly shit like that. You just can't be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, yeah. I like, like I said, <laughs> I, I've been, I've been really trying to, I, I, I every time I, I fuck up, I look at well how I fucked up or how I felt that I fucked up online. Think about what the outcome was and was it worth it? That's something I'm always asking myself, like was it worth it? What why did I get upset? Why did I say what I said? Why did that person react that way? And then I always make some new rule. And I'm finally at this stage, and I'm constantly evolving online where I'm finally at this stage where I'm no longer interested in engaging with people in a debate as much as I'm interested in hearing what people have to say about something and just leaving it at that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was actually kind of curious about those rules you're talking about. Because, I, I mean, I've got a number of rules myself. I was just curious, you know, what, 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 would, what are some examples of these rules you got? Um, rule number one. Uh, if I see something I really disagree with, really disagree with, and I really want to say something, don't. <laughs> don't. It's a waste of time. If I see someone who is, for some reason I'm scrolling, whether it's on my Facebook, because my Facebook page is a public, my Facebook, uh, I have a public Facebook account. If I'm scrolling through something and I see something that I really disagree with, um, rather than commenting, I just let it go. Uh, and the reason I let it go is that if it's really on the other side of what I'm thinking, what I believe in, me saying something to this person, me disagreeing with this person, with the other 200 people that are on the thread disagreeing with this person, or the other half and half arguing over what this person said for or against, my one extra comment really isn't going to add to the discussion. The most I might do is pose a question. I've really gone into this whole kind of uh, one person said it was a very Socrates, yeah, so Socratic, Socratic, uh, Socratic method. 
Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The and, method, yeah. And to be honest, I've never studied that method. Um, I'm actually approaching this more from the Zen books I've read. So I'm coming from a Eastern philosophy of rather than, rather than, what's the word I'm looking for here? Okay. Assert. Assert. <laughs> assert. So in, in Zen, this is going to be really hard to explain, and I always get in trouble when I say this, but here we go. In Zen, there is no right and there is no wrong. Everything is based on perspective. You're already wrong right there. Exactly. That's a that's a self de- that's a self defeating or self detonating statement. So. Exactly. So like it's really it's really <laughs> you want to take hard, another run hard. at it? <laughs> it's really hard to put into words. It really is. In fact, in Zen they say you shouldn't put it into words. It's more like wow, that's some very helpful shit. Yeah. So like it's this idea where try you try your best and you probably won't. <laughs> They'll say this. Try your best, but you probably won't succeed in trying to achieve enlightenment by looking at the world in a non-dichotomous fashion. They spend their entire lives trying to, like Zen masters spend their, and I'm not a Zen master, I'll say that right off the bat. And I'm not someone who, I say I follow Zen philosophy, but I don't follow Zen practice very well at that. Um, But Zen masters spend their entire lives trying to achieve enlightenment by trying to find a place where they're no longer disturbed by what's happening outside. And they try to control. They figure there's no control. You have no control over what happens in the world. You might have a effect, but in reality, when things happen outside in the world, you can't. there's only a certain amount of control you have over that. But you have full control over how you react to it. So they try to minimize their reactions. Uh, a lot of that sounds very similar to Christian teachings in terms of having the wisdom to know what you can control and the, the strength to know. I don't remember what the what the exact quote is, but I, it's a pre- pretty uh, popular one. And and then the idea of um, trying to live up to Jesus as example and trying to be, you know, like he, he represents perfection and you should try to, you know, you'll never achieve it, but you should at least uh, strive for that and that, that it's it's kind of it's kind of where the, i'm not saying that's where it comes from but it is very similar in nature as far as you know the, the thought process i guess yeah the thought process from a, from a western from a western philosophical point of view yeah that's very similar to that strain of thought now w- the rule that i came up with was i'll ask a question and it's up to it's they can answer it or they cannot answer it and if they answer it in a way that is non-attacking or if they actually bother most people don't bother to answer the question some do and when they do um if my second rule if they ask me a question i'll answer it if they don't ask me a question you don't messed up now. You, you don't messed up now i'm just gonna i'm just gonna like <laughs> troll you with questions all day <laughs> Like, dude, dude, I got to sleep. I got to be up for work in the morning. (laughs) I will answer. That's my rule. If you ask me a question, I'll answer it. I'll answer it. I will answer a question when asked. Um, I kind of like that because that means that they, if it is a legit question, they're coming at it from a position of curiosity rather than a position of trying to assert their viewpoint on you and attack you or anything like that. So I I can understand, you know, the, the logic behind going ahead and answering a question, you know, and how they respond to your answer is, will, will kind of dictate where you take it from there. But, um, you mind if I share one of my rules that Go I have? Go ahead. Yeah, please. I don't, I don't block people unless, unless they're abusive 
and disrespectful. That's it. It's the only reason I'll block somebody. If I disagree with you, even if we're getting in kind of a, a heated debate and, you know, maybe there's some cussing, that, that's not enough for me to consider it, you know, but if you start trying to, you know, do disrespectful things like bringing my family into this or threatening me or trying, you know, just, just in general, just disrespectful behavior. Like that's the only reason I will ever block anybody ever. Because, <laughs> like, because I think people can come around. You know, people can learn from their mistakes. You know, even though we have social media to fully document every single word we ever say, <laughs> I I hope that maybe in, in in the future people will stop trying to look so far back into the archives of people's thoughts and realize that people do grow. And you know, we can probably go back ten tweets or ten posts on Facebook, and that should be sufficient enough to get a general idea where that person's at. You know, that that's let's not spend 14 hours going through the last 16, 17 years of somebody's social media feed. Let's stop doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. I, I think what you're talking about is an ad hominem attack, right? Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Ad hominems. Uh, I'll call you out on an ad hominem, but I don't, I don't really mind that so much, no. but I mean, it's, it, there's a certain level of disrespect when you're just like, wow, that's obviously we're not having a conversation here. You're just being a dick now. <laughs> Yeah, like we're, yeah. we're done. I'm going to block you now. Yeah. But yeah. So it's it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and getting to know you a little bit. I, I hope to do more of these as our as our channels grow and as we continue to, you know, grow in our own rights. Um, is there anything else you want to leave my audience with? So like, you know, maybe how to how to contact you or. Um, yeah. Sure. Uh, if you want to hit Sorry. me up uh, on Twitter at Social Jello and uh if you want to check out my website at www.socialjello.com, that has all the information of what I do as far as my uh, blogs and my podcast is concerned. Right on. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on the show and having a chat with me, man. Oh, no problem. No problem. Um, is there, do you, in return, do you, what kind of information, is there any information you want to let my listeners know to follow you and all of that stuff? Yeah, yeah. If you guys want to check out my stuff, um, head on over to unframeofmind.com. Um, you'll find everything you need there. Uh, if you want to find me on social media, it's it, all, all the links are on my on my on my webpage. You can find everything you need there. Um, I do recommend, and I would appreciate it if you would go subscribe to my YouTube channel. But um, my one of my top videos that we just put out recently is called uh, Zombatol. It's a parody drug commercial that we worked really hard on, and I've had a lot of great feedback on it, and it, it's probably the funniest two minutes of your day. I definitely recommend going to check that one out. And uh, I mean, hell, if you want to leave a link in your description bar, that would be awesome, too. Yeah, that yeah. Would, yeah, would, yeah, if you could yeah, send, it to, send me, it to me as a message, I'll definitely Hey, thanks for watching Social Jolo with Angelo. Uh, I said watching, not listening. So for my podcast listeners, I really appreciate you checking out the show. Go to www dot socialjello.com to learn more about how you can support the show I'm on all the other social media outlets and my website has connections to all of them so please check that out and thanks for supporting the show stay tuned till next time peace